This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Wednesday means Leah Hextall joining us from the Great White North. How are you today? I'm good, Don. How are you doing? Uh, probably uh, as good as uh, most defensemen in the National Hockey League. I'm feeling pretty good because there seems to be a landing spot uh, for me to go from a bad team to a good team. Dylan's now a member of the Washington Capitals. Martinez is a member of the Vegas uh, Golden Knights. Um, and we saw Demilo go up by you to Winnipeg uh, with the Jets. They're trying to make a run. Scandella now a member of the Blues to replace Jay Bomeister. So we saw uh, four blue liners move in a very short period of time yesterday. Absolutely. It seemed like one dropped and then all the pieces of the dominoes started to fall after that. It was all either teams waiting to see who was going to go first, but also probably what the market actually was. And when you take a look, a lot of picks going in different directions for these defensemen, not so much um, player for player, straight up trades like we've seen in the past. So, um, I, you know, I look at the cost and some of them are higher than others, um, but there was some some strong moves made, I think, yesterday, and I think some teams got better, and, and that's a little scary when you add some pieces of the puzzle, like a Brendan Dillon to the Washington Capitals, um, you know, and not just defensive, but when you look at Tampa Bay adding Blake Coleman, um, I mean, like, how much more talent does Tampa need? I, it's just unbelievable to me. So it's uh, apparently the trade deadline isn't the 24th of February. Teams are looking to get things done earlier, sometimes by necessity more than by need. Yeah, absolutely. And we've seen it in recent history where a lot of the deals come before the deadline and the deadline itself turns out to be a dud because there's just really nothing left to do because all these games are pretty precious, right? You're talking about uh, you know the Winnipeg Jets make a deal. Uh, they're on the outside looking in. They've played 61 games already, so you really can't afford to wait too long because you'll be less than 20 games left. And you know for a team that's still only a point out of a playoff spot, but you're really not looking at a lot of time to be able to make your run if you wait too long or if you wait until the actual deadline on Monday. That's a, a true story, and you know, and you have to look at these pieces. And I know here from Winnipeg, just because I was covering the Jets yesterday. Is- the fact is with Dylan DeMello, the team is hoping that this just just isn't an addition for perhaps trying to make this playoff push just to get into playoffs, not necessarily make a deep run. That's not why this player was brought in. Dylan DeMello, they feel very highly for. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this season. He's only making 900000 right now. And as we know, because the Jets' defense was decimated uh, last season, they lost a great deal of talent from it. They're not just trying to find a player for a push. They're trying to find a player that can come play here, like it here, and that they can lock up at a solid price for, you know, say the next few years, a piece to the puzzle of rebuilding that back end. So they really look at DeMello as more of a long-time hopeful acquisition than just a trade deadline acquisition. And, and now next up, as we talk about teams trying to make it, it's becoming clearer and clearer there are some teams that are out of it. If Montreal fancy themselves as any kind of a playoff team, that went out the window in the third period last night against the Detroit Red Wings. So you look at a Tatar, you look at a, a, a Kovalchuk, maybe some other pieces there in Montreal that we can see moved because that team's not making the playoffs. No, it's not. And I think the most interesting one right now is Ilya Kovalchuk. And, and the reason being is the fact that when Mark Bergevin brought him in, he brought him in for absolutely no risk. I mean, this is a player that if he didn't work out, he could go down to the AHL. He wouldn't report, wouldn't cost them any money, and it would have been a done deal. We've seen it turn around, and it's been a great acquisition for Bergevin. And yes, it's this great story, but really... 
do you right now is the time to strike on a player like Ilya Kovalchuk? There is likely a team out there that's going to be willing to give you a couple picks for him. But the fact is, is from what's been reported, is Bergevin is in no hurry to get rid of Kovalchuk. If he does not get a proper amount for him, he's not going to deal him. The question is, though, Don, what is the amount for a player like Ilya Kovalchuk? I mean, yes, he's come in and done well in Montreal, but this is a short sample size. But then again, he's come in and done well on a team that's not great. So there are teams that would definitely have interest in this. And, you know, you look at it, and I just don't know what they possibly could be asking, but I do think that Kovalchuk is most likely the piece that will be moved by the Montreal Canadiens, if anyone. And you look at destinations. Uh, the Islanders right now, they've lost three in a row, uh, 500 over their last 10. They've slipped to that first wild card. They're still on the West Coast. They've got a Colorado team tonight, could very easily lose their fourth in a row, and they flat out are not scoring goals, especially on this road trip. Shut out by Vegas, just one goal in Arizona. Considering the relationship Lou had with Kovalchuk, he gave him a 17-year contract shrunk to 15 because the league thought he violated the salary cap. Could Lou be interested in bringing a Kovalchuk? Is he a fit there as a scorer for an Islander team that's trying to make the playoffs? He definitely could be. The one thing about it is I think, you know, the fact is the New York Islanders, is they're a team in the East, and the East is always known as not being as heavy as the heaviest teams as the Western Conference, as heavy as play. But quite frankly, I think the Islanders do play a heavier game. So I think he could be a fit there. I definitely think that he could come in and add some offense for them. I think he could do that really on any of the teams that we're looking at, whether it be like a Philadelphia Flyers team, a Carolina Hurricanes. But let's get real when it comes to the Eastern Conference. Tampa Bay has won 11 games in a row. They are playing their best hockey at the right time of year, right now. This is a team that got swept last year. And that's not happening this year. That's why they went out and targeted a player like Coleman. I mean, I don't even know where Coleman's going to fit in their lineup because he's not going to get 20-plus goals there because of all the talent they have. But, I mean, that's a hard lineup to just even crack. It's almost like he's there as, we're going to get him in, but there's a million players they could have play in that role. They are so strong. So what are you willing to do if you're in the East right now knowing that you have the Bruins, the Tampas, the Washington Capitals, and the Pittsburgh Penguins of the world that are likely the teams that you're going to have to get through? You have to really look at that as a general manager. It's so difficult to make trades in the NHL on any given day. It's even harder at trade deadline because people know that they don't have to do certain things. So I don't think it's a general manager like Lou Amarillo is going to feel pressed into do something. And I could honestly see him just say, this is the group we have. This is who we're going with. Well, that's what he did last year. And I guess it worked out. They swept Pittsburgh only to be swept by Carolina, but they did make it to the second round for just the second time since 1993. But here's the value. I understand what you're saying about Tampa. And right now they're the best team in the NHL. I know they're a point back of Boston, but they've got the tiebreak three more wins as you mentioned 11 consecutive Vasilevsky what is it 21 straight games with at least a point in the standings I mean they, they, they're the best team but the Islanders can look at it and say if I can avoid the wild card if I can finish in the top three I don't have to worry about Tampa to the conference final yeah maybe I can't win a cup but I think that'd be valuable to the Islanders right they got a new building coming make it to the conference final for the first time since 1993 and then you take your chances uh, getting getting through two rounds and see what's there for you in the conference final, whereas uh, whereas a team like let's say you know Toronto they finish as the as the three seed in the Atlantic only to just get pushed around and crushed by either Boston or Tampa, but I think the Islanders because of the division that they're in they've already beaten Pittsburgh they always give a, a handful to Washington maybe they see value in moving up to to third and avoiding the Atlantic division till the third round. 
it's not a bad plan if it all falls into place. And the fact is, it's never a bad plan to push to have a stronger spot in the playoffs in order to get more playoff games because your fan base deserves that and financially mm-hmm. you need that as a team, especially as to your point, an Islander team, which is in a market that is very hard to attract any kind of attention because of how much New York has around it. So it's definitely something that if I'm an ownership group, I would be all for. I just don't know if Lou Lamarillo is going to make that because it is the trade deadline and what are you going to have to give up? It all depends on is this a smart hockey move and Lou is not going to do something if it's no. not a smart move. No. But he has been known to make moves if he thinks he's got a team that Absolutely. can get there, and, and I don't think he does. But that's the thing. Can they get there? Yeah, I don't. I don't think, think he does. Ready. You know, but yeah. that that could be a dangerous team in the playoffs because of the of the structure, and they keep it low scoring. And yeah. if Arlamov gets hot or Grice gets hot, I mean, they could make a run. But you know, do you want to give up assets for a possibility of a run, or do you want to give up assets because you feel this is the final piece to a team that can win a championship? I don't see a move the Islanders can make where they can feel comfortable that they're winning a cup. I agree. Now, Florida. I don't know what to think of them. I mean, Florida right now is four points out of a playoff spot. Bob has just been awful. I've been waiting for him to get better, but their goaltending has just been such a problem. I'm not sure what move they can make, really. But they're so close, and they've got the coach. You know that if they were to get in, I guess they could be a dangerous team. They've got a ton of really good forwards. But you know, is it the blue line? Is it the goaltending? What is the problem with the Florida Panthers, especially lately with just three wins of their last ten? You know, I look at this team, and you look at what they did in the off season. They really went out, and ownership got behind this team. They did everything that they needed to to create more of a you know, competitive group this season. And you mentioned the goaltending, and it hasn't necessarily been exactly what they want, but that has been a key for Sergei Bobrovsky in his career. He has been inconsistent where he'll have a great season and then a not-so-great season. He's not the only goaltender in the world to do that. They go out and get the coach and Coach Q, and they have all these players. There's there's a few names where I've actually heard that it's not so much that Florida's going to be a buyer, but they're going to be a seller. Um, there's, you know, mm. there's some players on their lineup, Vincent Trocek being one of them. Um, that has not been completely happy with his ice time, um, you know, and other players. So it depends on on really, you know, when you take a few look at, you know, I'm just looking at their players right now, and it also depends on their contracts. You know, there's a lot of teams nowadays are getting less about the rental and more about how do we get a player that can come here that has a relatively okay cap hit, say maybe anywhere from 3.5 to 4.5 million, and how do we get this player here that maybe still has some term on it? And we saw that with, you know, the defenseman yesterday. Is You know, really, Alex Martinez is the only defenseman that has term left on his deal, um, and he's got one year left on his contract. So, you know, that all works out, and they just got a keeper there for a bit. Um, so I, I don't really know if Florida is going to be a team that's going to do anything. You know, I'm much more interested in what's going on over in the West and what's going on with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. I mean, they bring in Tyler Toffoli, and now we know why. You know, Brock uh, Besser is like, he's out, and, you know, he's out now for the rest of the season, the regular season at least, depending on what they do. And, um, you know, if he's out for six to eight weeks with a rib injury, Tyler Toffoli's not going to be able to I guess, replace him. He's too important of a player for them, especially on the defensive side of the puck, but we now know what they're doing. And there's talk about in Vancouver that, you know, even though they've been so competitive all year, they're now third in their division. They haven't been playing the way that they were. They're coming up against some injuries here. And I've heard they're not done yet. I've heard that they could be making some more moves. And even though Travis Green, he, you know, that, you know, they've, 
got every all the pieces of the puzzle, but it just doesn't seem to be. Uh, there's a little bit of nerves, I guess, in Vancouver right now with yeah. being gone. You know, and you got yeah, you're right with that injury, and you look at Edmonton, you lose um, Clef bomb for the next two three weeks. You're already playing without Connor McDavid. Uh, Cassian's going to miss what at least in the next four or five games on that ridiculously stupid move he made, uh, kicking uh, Greslick in Tampa and costing himself seven games. So yeah, you're right. There's there's teams really struggling to try to get healthy. Edmonton and Vancouver, right there, can win a Pacific Division. And much like the Islanders, you know, you can avoid you know the Blues and the Colorados of the world until you get to the conference final if you can get in that top three in the Pacific and and, and try to make a run. How valuable would that be for an Edmonton team that has not made a run and you know basically since 2006? Well, and it's not just, you know, when it comes to that, the reason that it's the most important thing for Edmonton to get it together and start making runs is because if they're not careful, McDavid's going to go, okay, I'm done. I gave you time to rebuild. I gave you time to do everything that you told me you were going to do. You've brought in Ken Holland. You've told me to give you more time and be patient. There's going to be a limit to what McDavid will accept because he wants to win. And, you know, so it'll be interesting to me that's more – Frank, quite frankly, it's more than the fan base, more than the organization. They got to prove to Connor McDavid that this right. is going to be a perennial playoff powerhouse. Yeah, because you don't want to be, you know, what happened with John Tavares with the Islanders, or what's happening right now with Jack Eichel in Buffalo, where you're just a flat-out star on a team that's not giving you much of a chance to go to the playoffs. Edmonton, I think, is better than those teams. Those examples I gave, they are in first place, but. You're right. They want to know that this can be a team that can compete for a Stanley Cup every single year and not just have little blips on the radar screen. So we'll see what happens there. But, you know, finishing, winning that division, getting home ice advantage, all of them are, are going to be very, very key. You ready for some tweets? Because we got a lot of people Let's chomping a little bit to talk to you. Um, MD says, hey, Don and Leah, who should the Ducks be looking to trade at the deadline and who could they get the biggest return for? It seems like Josh Manson could command a huge return based on the deals we've already seen. Well, and Josh Manson speaks to my point about you're looking at a defenseman that still has term on his contract, so he wouldn't be a rental player. And I think in this cap era, that's what teams are starting to look for. He's got a 4.1 hit, um, but he also has a modified no-trade clause, which means he would give a team a 12. So that can make things difficult for the Ducks to move him. The other thing, too, is we've seen so many defensemen already move is there still a market open for a player like Josh Manson? Um, I honestly think I see the Ducks standing you know, standing pat at this one. Um, I don't see them getting rid of any of their youth. They can't afford to, and nor should they. They are what they are this season. The Ducks really have to do some soul-searching in the offseason. They have some players that have been just, you look at their captain, Ryan Getzlaff. He's an incredible player. He's also making $8.25 million. Um, You know, he's lost a step. He's not as fast as he used to be. Um, You know, there's just some decisions to make there because they have to get, you know, they have to start making some moves. And they done it in the past they're not afraid to but i think they're going to really have to take a look at what they have because they do have some really talented players um but you know they have to start making some moves yeah but look at this just the unbelievable amount of money uh gets has got another 8.25 left through next year uh yeah. kessler who's on ir he's under contract through 22 Henrique's making big money through 24 really the only bargain that they have here is raquel Who's making, um, you know, for considering how good a player that he has been, making under four million dollars a year, but just such a massive amount of money to guys that aren't even playing, or or guys that are certainly at the end of their careers and underachieving. So you're right; that's a really tough spot for the Ducks to be in. 
It is, and they've got some age on their team that they gotta they gotta look at. They're one of the older teams in the league, even though they still have you know like because unfortunately now over twenty five is when teams are starting to age coming in because they're so darn good so early in their careers. So they really have to take a look at uh, some of the pieces of their puzzle because they have had a very successful, uh, the San Diego Gulf has done very well in the American Hockey League over the past few years, and they do have some talent. You see Sam Steele now, he's really developed through their organization. So they do have some up-and-comers coming. It's just a matter of figuring it out. Uh, Tim was talking uh, like we were about Eichel. He says, if you're Eichel, Skinner, Ritzelainen, and all the other unreal talent Buffalo has, how soon do you start thinking about your own career, packing up and leaving? I'm not sure what their contract situations are, but those guys must be at their wits' end. And I, I completely agree with Tim, they, especially Eichel. That he just has to feel like he's some of his best years in the NHL are just being wasted. Absolutely, but Jack Eichel went and signed that massive deal. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, yeah. tied up here at 10 mil. I mean, until 2026. I mean, who's taking that on? As talented no. as he is, who has room for that? No, and, and listen, he, he when he signed that deal, he probably felt like they were on the uptick, and yeah. and, and that hasn't been the case. It's hard to move him. Yeah, and then you have Jeff Skinner at nine. Yeah. Like, I mean, these are massive deals that, yes, great for the player. You always take the money. But it's not so easy for Buffalo to, you know, even if you go in and say, I want to trade, that's not going to help you because you have a massive hit. You're making more than Sidney Crosby. Like, <laughs> I know. Like, think of it that way, right? Like, I get he's a super talent, but he's in this market in Buffalo that just hasn't been able to figure out. We've talked about it before. So those are really hard pieces to move. I mean, like, Rasmus Restalina, okay. 25-year-old, unbelievable talent, making $5.4 million. He's still got a few years after this at that, at that wage. So, I mean, I really don't know what Buffalo can do. Um, it's going to have to be a player. Like, they're probably going to have to eat some of that salary, even though Eichel is so good, because who can afford that right now? No. Unless you're doing a player-for-player player move and the player coming back is around that. But nobody's trading that player. Buffalo's not trading Eichel. You're not. You can't. Your fan base would ride against you because you can't even get it together, and then you're going to trade away your star. I understand. I can't even imagine how frustrating this is. And for a player like Jack Eichel, you need to learn how to win. And he hasn't been able to learn that in Buffalo, and none of those players have. And, and I truly don't know what it's going to take there to get things turned around. Uh, we got a couple more for Leah before we let her go. Uh, Shiny Wizard Kevin says, Taylor Hall says he wants to try and win and stay in Arizona. Uh, beyond this year, but if you're the Coyotes who are still in the hunt, do you move Taylor Hall, and what could that mean in the off season for Hall? Yeah, it's a really interesting thing, and we've discussed this before. You know, yeah, you went out and you traded for him. It was a great acquisition. You brought in a player of talent. You know, listen, I think Arizona doesn't move him. I think they hang on to him. I think they're going to try to sign him and keep him there. I mean, listen, right now, they're in a wildcard spot. They're in the playoff picture. You know, that's where you want to be if you're the Arizona Coyotes. I don't think anybody else had any other intentions for them this year. Then, yeah, let's be a playoff team and get back in the playoffs because it's been such a long, dry spell and excuse the pun because they're in the desert since they've been there. So let's get that going. Let's just get into the playoffs. And I think Taylor Hall is a major piece of that. And I see him staying in Arizona and I think they'll try to lock him up. All right. This one's interesting for you, Leah. And this will be the last one we do because I know you got to run. Richard says, greetings from us Ranger fans who ventured to cold Detroit a few weeks ago, sat in the hotel lobby while watching coaches and players go by. Good conversation with you, Sam Rosen and Stemmer. Uh, this was the group that was a big fan of you on game misconduct, so they have uh, uh-huh. a question for us. Would you 
and Leah play Rangers general manager for a moment. Come July 1st, which Rangers will be gone? <laughs> that is a $64,000 question. Who stays and who goes? Uh, the latest on Kreider is they're continuing to talk, but the clock is ticking. They've got three games left before the deadline. I would assume, Leah, if they can't get something done maybe by Friday in Carolina, I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe is a healthy scratch just in case. So once that happens, you know he's probably going to get dealt. But I'm feeling pretty good that they might be able to finally get something done. So I'd probably lean on the side of Kreider staying. How do you feel about that? I think Kreider leaves. Okay. This is why. Um, right now, it sounds like Boston and Colorado talks are heating up around him. They're both teams that know that they need another piece, and they can contend. Those are two teams that, you know, you could see. I could right now, I was watching Tampa and Colorado the other night. Great friggin' game. Uh, I thought <laughs> yeah. this, this could be the Stanley Cup final, and how much fun would that be? Um, but I think Kreider goes, and this is why. I think with where New York is right now, you get what you can for him, which is going to be a lot. He's going to be a UFA. You've started to have talks with him. He can come back. There's no harm if you're not going to make the playoffs and you can go get two first-rounders or whatever you're going to get for a great player like Kreider. Why wouldn't you make that move if you're the general manager? We love you. We need to do this now. We're going to get this for you, and then we want to bring you back and sign you and lock you up and make you a Ranger for the next five, six years. Well, I take that. Yeah. I go to a contender. I go try to win a cup, and then in the off season, I hear what the Rangers have to say, and they can bring him back. It's a couple months of hockey. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. That never seems to happen, though. I mean, especially with the Rangers, the, the the thought was, oh, we'll let we'll trade Grabner to the Devils because we'll just re-sign him. We'll trade Kevin Hayes to Winnipeg. We'll just re-sign him. We'll we'll trade uh, Rick Nash to uh, the Boston Bruins, and he ends up retiring. It, they never seem to come back, right? Because you lose that extra year, you lose that window until July 1st, they start testing free agency, and all of a sudden the money gets a little out of control. The reason I lean towards staying with him, uh, you're getting picks, and picks are attractive, but this team's ready, I think, next year to start contending. You know, like the Devils can trade for picks because they're years away. I think when you sign Panarin and you've got some of the young players that you called up starting to grow. I think Kako going into his second year is going to get better. Heedle's going to get better. D'Angelo you're seeing is becoming a star. Fox is becoming a star. You, these first-round picks are great, but they're going to be late first-round picks. And if you're, unless you can get some players that could actually play on your roster, then I, I, I think you want to try to see, get something done to be able to keep a Kreider for that turnaround. I know you don't want to lose them for nothing, Leah, but... It, Finding a way to keep him and getting that extra time to be able to negotiate a contract might actually go a longer way than, than picks that will still take a long time to mature. At some point, you need some tangible players that are going to help this team win next year. And 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 late first-round picks are guys that are still years down the road in my mind. And that could be the case. Um and that's why it's so hard to be a general manager, right? And that's <laughs> what we're talking about. And this is why we need to give him credit because it's like there's a chance that I could lose this guy for nothing. There's a chance that I, I could sign him. There's a chance that maybe it won't work out, blah, blah, blah. There's so many things that could happen in that we've been discussing now for how long, and we can't figure it out. So imagine being a general manager, and that's why I, I do have empathy for them at this time of year. And just to finish out, I, I think Brendan Smith is gone. Um, I think there's a very good chance that Henrik Lundqvist is gone in some capacity, right? Whether he's traded so or whether he's bought out during the offseason. 
I was going to ask you about this, and I meant to ask you this, like because as soon as I saw Philip Grubauer go down in yeah. Colorado, who's got a lower body injury, they have no timetable. So you got uh, Pavel Francouz backing him up. You are a contender right now. Colorado could win a cup, but what happens if Grubauer's injury with no timetable? Like that's that's such a question mark for a team that's ready to win a Stanley Cup. Right? Could that be a place we talked about this last week? We talked about Colorado. Because we weren't sold on Grubauer, and now he's injured. Yeah, because we were discussing, really, you know, hey, exactly. now he doesn't have to so take I, the job away. He, it's right; it might yeah, be there for him. Exactly, and you know that's a player that. And then if Grubauer comes back, Hank's already in the net. Grubauer is there though as the backup if Hank stumbles. Yeah, uh, you know, to me when I saw Grubauer go down, and the guys even on the broadcast immediately brought up Henrik Lundqvist's name when he got injured in that hockey game. Yeah, so I think there's a possibility of that, or him maybe being bought out. As disrespectful as that might sound, you can't have three goaltenders next year, uh, and I really think they want to hold on to Georgiev. Now, would Colorado take Georgiev? You know, he's a good young goaltender, but doesn't have the pedigree that Lundqvist has. He's probably better than Lundqvist right now, at least the way that he's playing. But not for what they're trying to exactly. do. Exactly. You need a guy like Lundqvist. He's been to a Stanley Cup. Right. Like he understands what this is going to take, and he's got, to your point, the pedigree. You know, to put a kid in that situation, not like we haven't seen it before. Bennington came in the other year, just boom, boom, boom. But I think it is. This would be the sell if if the yeah. Rangers and the Colorado Avalanche are interested. This could be the sell to Henrik, which could solve this situation. I know you got to run. Thank you so much for the time that you give us, and we will talk next week when all this silliness will be done and we can It'll focus on done. the end of the season. Yeah. So okay. So let's just say it right now. You think Kreider's staying? I think he's going. Yes, I think we'll he's staying. On it. We're betting a bottle of wine right now. Okay. What happens the next time we chat? All right. All right. You're I on. Expensive taste. Okay. So you better get <laughs> yeah, ready. I know you do. So I'll be ready. I'll be ready. All, All right. right, John. You have a good one. Enjoy the rest of your week. That's Leah Hextall up in the Great White North. Covers uh, the Jets. Does a lot of hockey up there, and always just gives us a very unique perspective you know we live in our own little bubble here you know whether it's in new york or you know wherever you listen to your um teams but to be able to get the canadian perspective and somebody who's covered the sport for a long time i always have so much fun talking to her we were kind of limited on time unfortunately but um we can continue on with the conversation here but um she is always just very very good um a few more tweets before we say goodbye and kind of re uh, preview the schedule coming up robert thee says, do you think Adam Fox has a shot at the Calder Trophy, or do you think the voters only look at traditional stats like goals and assists? Well, I, I think that he deserves some consideration. He's had a tremendous rookie year, but when you look at the um, the Macars of the world, when you look at some of the other young players, I don't, I don't think he's got a chance at that award, but I like the way you're thinking, Robert, because he has been a terrific player. But you have seen, you know, in, in all fairness, especially in that Boston game on Sunday, where maybe quarterbacking the power plays a little much for him, they've really missed D'Angelo. Um, so there is some areas where I think he needs to improve, but I think if you're a Ranger fan, you're very excited about where this guy uh, is is leading. Uh, Aaron says, I know it's an exciting week of coverage, and for the teams individually, it's best for each franchise to add future assets or go for a championship. But is the buying-selling at the trading deadline actually good for the NHL as a whole? Do you see any downside to it? I don't. Um, I think deadlines are exciting. It gets people talking, conversation. 
uh, and gives teams a chance to make a run. Uh, I think the trading deadline in all sports is a lot of fun. When you're able to put a day where there can be a lot of conversation beyond the games, these are the dog days, right? It's February. Um, for the really good teams like uh, Tampa and Boston and Washington and Pittsburgh and St. Louis, Colorado, these teams are knowing they're going to the playoffs, but yet their fan bases are excited because they might be adding pieces to help win a championship. And then all these teams that are trying, fighting, crawling, trying to get into the playoffs also feel like they can be a deal away from getting the piece to the puzzle that helps them make a run. So I, I don't see any downside to it at all. Uh, let's see if we can continue with a few. Mark says, in your opinion, what should the Rangers do? I feel Kreider is a huge part of what this team needs over the next few years, but isn't it smart to trade him if it's a big haul? Still a chance to sign in the offseason or just extend him and trade Stroman Fost and hit cap uh, that way. I, I'm, I'm looking towards the latter. And, and listen, I had a completely different opinion with Hayes. Um, when Kevin Hayes was in the exact same situation, I said, you got to trade him, trade him, get something for him, and then you can always re-sign him in the offseason. But history shows, unless you're the New York Yankees with um, with Chapman, you usually do not bring these guys back. They hit free agency, and then it's really difficult to bring them back. And sometimes when you do, it ends up being a mistake because it's way more money than you were willing to pay him in the first place. And there will be that pressure to give it to him because you kind of promised the fans when you traded him, hey, he'll be back. I think the Rangers want to stay away from that type of promise or that suggested promise. Also, as we were talking about with Leah, yeah, you'll get first-round picks, Colorado, St. Louis. You're talking about picks that are going to be in the high 20s. And those are players, yes, yeah, sometimes you hit lightning a bottle and that player turns out to be a superstar. But when you're drafting 26th, 27th overall, that's probably a player that's not going to contribute for a few years. You've seen Kako, who was the second overall pick in the draft. You know, he's had a nice year for a rookie, but it's going to take a little while for him to grow into his body and become a star. I think the Rangers want assets that can help them actually maybe chase a Stanley Cup next year or the year after. So... Kreider, by signing him, can be a player that's already in your system, already contributing, already has been a part of some runs in 14 and 15. So I think you want to try to do everything humanly possible to get it done. Now, obviously, you get to the 11th hour, and no deal is made, and it looks like he's going to walk, and you guys are way far apart, then sometimes you got to see the forest through the trees. But there is th- there are things you're sacrificing when you trade a player. You're, you're, you're sacrificing that exclusivity of being able to negotiate with him as a free agent before July 1st, where you could still get something done. And then once you get to July 1st and everybody else starts throwing money at him, that's a problem. And I'm telling you, if he goes to St. Louis or Colorado and is part of a run or wins the Stanley Cup, he may be more apt to stay there than to come to the Rangers. So this idea, I've kind of changed my mind on this. You can always sign him as a free agent afterward. There's not many examples, and I think almost zero in hockey, where that ends up being the case. Uh, Ricky says, I like the setup to get into the playoffs. It, um, I guess he's talking about the current setup. Makes divisional games that important. But once teams are in, rank them one through eight with divisional leaders one and two and match them that way. Your thoughts? I, I, I like that. I, I Then it's the best of both worlds. It's putting weight in the division, but you do loosen things up. So this uh, second-round matchup between Tampa and Boston and those second-round matchups in years past between Winnipeg and Nashville and Pittsburgh and Washington, we'd be able to loosen that up, and I think that would be uh, probably – uh, the best way to go. All right, this was a lot of fun today. Thank you so much. Now, Friday, I'm going to be coming from Raleigh, 
North Carolina. I'll be calling the Rangers-Hurricanes game, and that should be interesting as both those teams on the outside looking in for the playoffs. So both teams will be desperate for points and will be that much closer to the deadline. So we'll be pay, paying attention. I think both those teams can be very active. So I'll be coming to you from the arena in Raleigh. So I'm looking forward to that. So if you want to get in touch with me between now and then, the best way to do that is always at Don LaGreca at hashtag game misconduct. So thanks for participating today. Thanks for Leah Hextall. Always fun to talk to her. We'll be back with you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.